0: Once upon a time there was a rider who came across some soldiers trying to move a log out of the middle of the road. And this this soldier was on this rider rather was on horseback as he came across these soldiers moving this large massive piece of wood trying to not being very successful and off to the side was a corporal who was just standing there watching these men struggle trying to move this wood and the rider couldn't understand why this corporal was just standing there and so he finally asked the corporal why aren't you helping these men move this this tree out of the road and this was the corporal's response he said i am the corporal i give the orders so the rider didn't say anything got off his horse and proceeded to help these men move this massive tree from the middle of the road he helped them accomplished their task, then he got back on his horse and rode off. We look at this rider and we try to imagine what kind of person was this rider. Well, the story goes that the man on the horse watching all this all unfold, who proceeded to get off his horse, help these other soldiers move this tree out of the middle of the road, was none other than George Washington, the commander-in-chief. If anyone had the authority to say, I'm in charge, it would be him. Yet he gets off the horse to help these men with this task. As this corporal just stands there, and based on his position, based on his rank, feels that he has the authority to say what has to happen and give the orders and give the responses. We read these kind of stories, we see this, and we see in George Washington an act of humility, and we admire him for that. We admire him for the fact that he was willing to not say, do you know who I am? But to simply get off a horse and help these men with a task. We see this and we see this story, and it doesn't need an explanation for what's going on as we read it and hear it, because if we're honest with ourselves this morning, more often than not, we are more like that corporal than we are George Washington. We'd rather give the orders and tell somebody else how to do it instead of getting off the proverbial horse and helping where help is needed. We see these stories all around us, and we see this focus. We want to be helpful. We want to be humble. We want to think of others more important than ourselves. But too many times because of the society we live in, the world that's around us, the world says, watch out for yourself. The world says, don't worry about the other person. Make sure you're okay. Yet all through scripture, we see humility painted in the portrait of who Jesus Christ was. Of anybody who was the example of humility, it is Jesus himself. And as we gather this morning, we want to remember that that is the picture before us. We think about coming out of the ashes. What does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to put others First, because here is our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who humbles himself to the point of death and conquering death so that you and I can experience abundant life. We have a great Savior who showed us these things. So when we think about humbling ourselves this morning, I want to just remind you of a couple of things, and they're going to be on your outline this morning. The first thing I want you to remember is that Jesus set the example. We want to know what humility looks like. We want to know what it means to be humble. We have the example set before us. Yes, we read a story about George Washington and we admire his humility, but the reality is the greatest example of somebody humbling themselves is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word, turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and I want you to see what Paul said about the humility of our Lord and Savior. I want you to see what Paul says about a Savior who loves us, a Savior who humbled himself, and to what point he humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, paul says this now remember as paul is writing these words let me give you some background upon philippians for just a moment philippians is a small city but philippians was also known as little rome philippi was the city where roman officials roman soldiers went to retire and they took their customs they brought their culture to this little city So Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and he's reminding them what it means to be a follower, what it means to have the joy of Jesus and knowing him as Lord and Savior. And he gets to this section of Scripture and he needs to remind the listener of what it means to see this picture set for us, this example of what humility truly looks like. Because he says there in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he says these words in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Jesus. What Paul is telling us this morning in these few verses, Paul's encouragement was for believers to be like Christ. That is his encouragement for the church in Philippi. That is his encouragement for those of us who are here sitting at Reedsville Baptist this morning. It's that reminder that we are to have the mind of Christ. It's to have that encouragement. So, what does it mean? By the, what does he mean by this encouragement when he says there in verse 5? What does it mean when he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus? I think he's reminding us, number one, that our attitudes, our attitude to be like his. Our attitude should be like his attitude. We see Jesus through the gospels and how he handles certain situations. Were there times that Jesus got angry? Yes. Were there times Jesus got upset? Yes. Yes. But more often than not, Jesus showed love, he showed grace, he showed mercy, and showed compassion. So what Paul is reminding the church in Philippi, what Paul is reminding us this morning, is that we should have the same attitude that Jesus had. But not only do we have the same attitude, but our actions are to mirror his. So we have an attitude that's like Christ. We have an action that mirrors his. Now, you just wrote down those two statements, and I know what you're thinking this morning. For just a second, I can almost read your mind. And here some of you are thinking this morning. You're thinking this. Yeah, that's easier said than done. You're talking about the very Son of God. It's okay. It's easy for him to have those actions. It's easy for him to have that attitude. He is the Son of God. He's not going to act different. But notice what Paul continues to say in this passage. Passage of Scripture this morning. He's already started off reminding us that we don't do anything out of selfish ambition, out of conceit, but out of the lowliness of concern for those around us. But then he continues. Go back to verse 5 and then follow along through verse 8 and look what Paul continues to say. He says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Notice this, Jesus, the Son of God, literally steps out of glory. He takes on, he takes off what would be that glory and sets it to the side, reminding us that he's coming back for it. But he takes off that glory of being God, comes in the form of man in flesh, But notice how he comes, notice how he came. He doesn't come, and I shared this in our synagogue class this morning. Jesus did not show up on this earth with a big sign flashing over his head saying, I am the son of God. Scripture says that he humbled himself. Notice the wording here in verse 7. He made himself of no reputation, which means he was just like everyone else. He didn't stand out in a crowd. There was nothing about his appearance that drew others to him. But scripture also says here that he took on the form, it says, of a bond servant coming in the likeness of men. This attitude, this action that you and I are supposed to mirror, this attitude we're supposed to have, is is looking at this picture of our Savior coming in the form of a man, humbling himself. Notice this. Paul tells us that he humbles himself even to the point of death. Death on the cross for me and for you. He didn't have to. He chose to do that. He wanted to demonstrate what humility looks like. Again, nowhere does he walk on this earth with this idea that, do you know who I am? He didn't walk around with an attitude that he he was better than everybody else. He didn't walk around thinking, And literally, he was the man, but didn't act like he was the man. But as we read through this section of Scripture and we see this unfold for us, here's what we have to be reminded of as a follower of Jesus Christ, what we need to be reminded of as one of his children. So if I'm going to take on the attitude, I'm going to take the actions that mirror his, there are some specific things that Paul identifies in Jesus that you and I have to get on board with. We have to follow these same things. And here's the first one. Don't take advantage of your position. Don't take advantage of your position. To say it another way would be this. Don't lord yourself over others. It is very easy to be put into a position of authority and use it to a disadvantage. It is easy. We see it in our world around us. We see examples of those who have a position. They have authority. They have status. And they think they're on top of the mountain, and they do something dumb and fall from the mountain because they've allowed their position to get in the way. We all, at one time or another, are going to be in a leadership position in some form or another. And in a position of leadership, you can't use that position like it's an advantage you can't use that position to try to get ahead. And that's what Jesus is reminding us. If Jesus had not come in the form of a bondservant, then yeah, he would use his position to get ahead. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't walk around saying, I'm the son of God. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do to you? No, he comes humbly, taking on that form to show us what humility truly looks like. That we as a child of God can have the same humility. We can be just as humble and show humility to those around us. And it's about not putting our position out there in front and trying to flaunt it and think that we're more important than we really are. Because the reality is we are all the same. We're a child of God. Doesn't matter if you are the preacher, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, you work in the nursery, we're all the same. And at no point should you try to use your position to try to get ahead you should never want to use your position to make yourself better than you really are so we read this in scripture because the danger is we can take advantage of that position but paul reminds us that here jesus had all power he had all opportunity of the universe to use his position to his advantage and instead he takes his position he takes his authority and power to a point and puts it to the side that's what true humility looks like so we look in this verse and we were reminded, and Paul says, Don't take advantage of your position. But Paul also reminds us of this serve others. Serve others. Remember, Jesus is laying aside his royal position. He is the Son of God, the great I am, the creator of the universe. He takes that position, takes that authority, and puts it to the side to come and serve. Scripture says that he chose to be a bond servant. He chose to serve others throughout Jesus' ministry. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see that Jesus is always giving to the needs of others. Nowhere in Scripture can I find where our Lord and Savior says, What about me? Who's going to help me? Who's going to do something for me today? We don't read that anywhere in the Gospels. Throughout the Scripture, Jesus is looking to help others. Jesus is looking to serve others and we're going to talk about what that serving looks like a little bit later this morning so we don't put our position above others we serve others but this is the other idea and this is hard when we're showing humility be willing to give your life away give your life away for jesus the ultimate Act of humility was him dying on the cross for our sins. Listen, we know these scriptures. We know what took place. But let me ask you a question this morning. What are you holding on to tightly to? Are you holding on to tightly to your position, your authority, what you have or what you think you have, and not willing to let go of it so you can serve a risen Savior? Think about the hymn. We sing it. I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. We sing that verse, but in our minds, some of us tend to think, well, I like it, but who's going to serve me? And nowhere in Scripture are we called to look out for ourselves. We're to look out for those around us. So what are we holding too tightly of? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to be giving up so we can serve others? What do we need to be giving up to remove that position of authority we think we have What do we need to give away that's holding us back from completely following him? Because here's what I've learned the past few weeks in studying about humility, what it means to be humble. And this is a statement I put in your outline. Humility isn't as much a destination to be reached. It is an attitude to be embraced. Because church, listen to me very carefully. If you think humility is a point to get to, you're never going to get there. Because it's not about getting to a certain point. It's about having an attitude of humility. It's about having an attitude that puts others first. It's having an attitude to serve others. It's an attitude to love others more than yourself. Because that's what Scripture says here in Philippians when he talks about in the latter part of verse 3. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interest of others others it's about an attitude it's about a posture it's about an action it's about a way of living for god so we know jesus set the example but here's another thought i want to give you this morning that humility is kind of a big deal humility is kind of a big deal now i know what you're thinking we're supposed to be humble not walk around like we're humble Think about the world we live in right now most of you know that i'm a sports junkie i like sports i don't care what it is i'm going to watch it but how many of us have watched a football game watched a basketball game or a baseball game where the athlete does this great play this great shot and then makes it all about them we've seen it before i've seen it in basketball where somebody drains a three and they start running down court Lifting up their jersey, look at me. We see it with athletes when they score a touchdown. You know, I like the day when they scored a touchdown, put the football down, and went back to the sideline. Now we make a big show. There's no humility in that. But then we think about, I think about Muhammad Ali. When he stands in the ring and says, I am the greatest. That's not a lot of humility when he's made that kind of statement. But he says, I am the greatest before I even knew I was. And he says it after a victory. We read these and we, 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 we laugh about it for, for a second, but putting all joking aside, humility is kind of a big deal because when you and I have evidence of Jesus Christ in our life and we look at the life of Christ, we look at individuals in the life of Scripture, we see Scripture encouraging humility and giving warnings about the destructiveness of pride. Pride gets in the way. Now listen, I don't have time this morning to give you an exhausted list of what it looks like when pride gets in the way, but I can give you a few little things to kind of look at this morning as we think about that. Now we know what it means to be humble according to Paul, but take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I want you to see what Peter says about humility what peter says about being humble 1 peter chapter 5 verses 5 and 6 1 peter chapter 5 5 and 6 again peter is writing to believers as he says these words verse 5 likewise you younger people submit yourself to your elders Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the who? Gives grace to the who? Humble. Look at verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. James leader of the early church in Jerusalem, he quotes this same Old Testament passage when he makes this statement, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now these are two New Testament church leaders who are encouraging humility. Both these men are quoting actually Proverbs 3.34, where it says God opposing the proud and giving grace to the humble. Now, we know and we understand that no one wants to be in opposition of God. Nobody wants to oppose God because we're not strong enough to argue for ourselves that we are better than anybody else, much less try to be better than God. But let's take it a step further what humility should look like for the believer. Take your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Because I've given you what the New Testament says. But I want you to see what the Old Testament says about this same situation. Because it's hard to be humble when you're full of pride. It's hard to show humility when you're looking out for yourself and not others. Psalm 138, verse 6. And look what the writer says here. David writes these words, Psalm 138, verse 6 though the lord is on high yet he regards the lowly but the proud he knows from afar now listen to what another translation says about the same verse though the lord is great he cares for the humble but he keeps his distance from the proud Listen, having God's opposition is one thing, and it's horrible to think we are opposite of who God is. But look at what the writer of Psalm 138 is saying. He is saying that when you are humbling yourself before him, God is right there next to you. But the minute you allow pride to get in the way, the minute you think you're greater than God, the minute you think you're greater than the man next to you or the woman next to you, then you're here and God is way over there. Because God's not going to stand beside you when you're walking around with a chest high and being proud of yourself. Scripture says that he's close to the humble, but he's far off from those who are prideful. Because here's the reminder, pride and arrogance are incompatible with humility, which means these are attitudes you will only find far away from Jesus Nowhere do we see Jesus being prideful. Nowhere do we find Jesus being arrogant. Yet we want to walk around in our world and say, look at me, look at what I can do, look at who I am, and not exalt our Savior, and not show the same humility towards others that our Savior shows to us on a regular basis. It's about being humble. This is this attribute we look at when we look at the life of Christ And it's not about having head knowledge of Scripture. It's about the heart position and the heart posture that will keep you at distance from God when you think that your righteousness is based on who you are and what you do and how you do it. Your righteousness is based on what Jesus Christ has done for you, not what you can do for him. Because pride can destroy you. Pride can destroy you. It's like that balloon. Remember when you were a kid and you used to take a balloon and try to blow up as big as you could? And you kept blowing into it and blowing into it and blowing into it. And what eventually happens to the balloon? It pops. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. It pops. Kind of like that balloon you got with you this morning. If you're not careful, you can burst your bubble. And pride has a way of doing that. Pride has a way of getting in the way of what God can do in you and through you. Because we think that, you know what, I did this. I did that. And nowhere are we saying, God, let me do this. God, let me do that. We've taken God and moved him so far out of the equation that we don't have a concept of what humility looks like, what true humility looks like. Because we try to make it about ourselves. As we're looking through this series, we're looking at these attributes of who Christ was. He came in the form of a bond servant. So, what does that look like this morning? What does it look like to come in form? We know what Paul said that he took off that authority. He took off the position of being in heaven and came down to be with us. But ultimately, what does humility really look like? What does it mean to be humble? One more, spot of, one more passage of Scripture I want you to look at this morning, and it's found in John's Gospel, chapter 13. John chapter 13, I want you to see this morning of how John describes the humility and the love that Jesus had for us. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Think about that for a second before we go on. Scripture says that Jesus loved his disciples to the end. He didn't stop loving them at this point. He loved them through dying on the cross. He loved them in rising from the dead. He loved them as he ascended into heaven 40 days later. He loved them to the end. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, lay aside his outer garment, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he was girded with. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but then my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he know who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. King of kings and the Lord of lords gets up from the table, takes off his outer garment, and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now think about this for just a moment. We are living in a part of the world where it's all dirt roads. And let me throw this out for just for fun. There's no indoor plumbing. And they're in the heat and in the murk and in the mud and the dust of the day. They're sitting at the table and our Savior, showing us the greatest act of humility, gets up and begins to wash the disciples' feet In washing the feet, it was an incredibly lowly act of service because the feet were considered to be the dirtiest, most unclean part of the body at the time. The job that Jesus was doing would have normally been done by a servant in the household. If you were invited to a friend's home during these days, the minute you came into that person's home, there was a servant to wash your feet. It would already happen before you even went further into the house. But Jesus is giving us the example to follow. Notice what he says here. And notice notice the word change here for a second. Go back to verse 13. Notice what he says to them. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, so I am. But look what he does in verse 14. So if I then your Lord and teacher... Notice the reversal. Because everybody else saw Jesus as a great teacher, not necessarily Lord. He's reminded the disciples, you call me Lord because I am Lord, but I'm also the teacher. And he says, so if I'm setting the example, verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In washing the disciples' feet, Jesus is showing us truly how much he loves them. He takes up this position as a simple house servant to wash their dirty feet. So we see this example, but notice why he does this. He did this to show that no one is too important to get down and serve others. I don't care who you are. Your position in the grand scheme of things, your rank, doesn't mean anything in God's eyes. Because we're all on a level playing field. Now, by the world standards, there's differences. By the world's standards, Sheriff Kyle has more authority than I do. Because he's the sheriff of our county. But that authority has been a given to him. But in God's eyes, we're equal, aren't we? We're the same because we're a child of God first. And thank you. I wish I would be more like Kitty Miller. Get excited. But think about that. As a child of God, we are all on a level playing field. We all should be humble to one another, whether we know them or not. And what that statement says is Jesus didn't show us. He showed us that no one's too important to get down and serve. But only does he show us that, he's also reminded us he did this to show his love and care for his disciples. We read the words in John 13 and for the church today to see and know what our heart and what our character is of our Savior. So here's some questions I want you to think about this week. We're thinking about what it means to be humble. What does it mean to show humility? Here's the first question. It's not in your outline, but you might want to write it down somewhere. Who do you need to serve this week? Who do you need to serve this week? You serve God first. Thank you, Katie. You serve God first. But as we learned in Sunday school this morning, it's God first and everyone else second. So who do you need to serve this week? In some way, thank you. Listen, y'all can be more like Katie. I like her. So here, okay, so here's the second question. Where do you need to remove the pride in your life that's getting in the way? From serving others. Because that's what it's about. It's a heart situation. It's a heart issue. The reason I'm not willing to serve is because i got too much pride. That is ultimately the reason why we won't serve our fellow neighbors. We won't serve those around us because pride gets in the way. So where is that pride I need to move out of my life? Because Proverbs 29 verse 1 says this, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Some people's pride destroys their lives, and they don't even realize it's destroying their lives. So we need to pray for those who think they're a little more prideful than they truly are. But then here's another thought. We're looking at the example Christ has for us. So how will the example of Christ impact your daily routine starting tomorrow morning? Knowing what we've learned about Jesus, knowing what he's done and showing us humility, How's that going to change your heart attitude tomorrow morning when you wake up? Will it change your heart attitude? Or will you choose to be opposed to what God has for your life? Will you choose to be so prideful that God has to stand off in the distance because pride is getting in the way? Pride is a very dangerous thing. The hardest thing to do is to be humble sometimes but it's the right thing to do because we are a child of God. One more picture I want to paint for you this morning. What does humility look like? The picture behind me is St. Williams Missionary Baptist Church. I shared with you last weekend some of our church family helped with Second Harvest at their church. four churches, St. Williams, Reedsville United Methodist, Reedsville Baptist, and... Who? Springfield, thank you. That's Springfield, I'm sorry, not St. Williams. Springfield, sorry. And I got it in my notes, but I'm not looking at my pages, so I gave up a long time ago. Anyway, Springfield's hosting four churches. You know what didn't happen? At no point did I show up and say, do you know who I am? I'm the pastor of Reedsville Baptist Church, and I'm in charge. That didn't happen. The pastor... From springfield didn't show up and say i'm dr will white i'm in charge brother mark from the methodist church didn't show up and say i'm mark foster you know who i am what you saw is the body of christ coming together in humility and humbling themselves and serving others let me show you what that humility looked like serving people who may not act like me talk like me do what I would normally do. Over the course of two days, I'm going to show some numbers to you on the screen. 327, 769, 103. That first number is the number of households that were served. 327 homes were served. That number 768 is the number of individuals who received food that third number 103 is the number of households that had children why do I show this to you this morning because this is the example that Christ has given to us to be humble it wasn't about I us or we it was about simply being the hands and feet of Jesus in humbling ourselves. Remember what I told you a little while ago? Humility isn't as much a destination to be reached. It is an attitude to be embraced. It would have been real easy to say, well, look at us. We served this week. That is not humility. That is pride. Humility is standing in the back, Humility is showing up and saying, where do you need me? Not about status, not about position, not even about any bit of authority. The picture has been painted for us. What does it mean to be humble? It means to put aside the things we think that make us important who we are and putting them to the side and allowing Jesus to come into our lives, to use us, to work in us and through us. The only way this happens, the only way that we can follow the example that's been given to us this morning, the only way we can reflect and mirror his attitude and his actions is by having a relationship with the Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this morning, you have no way of being humble. You have no idea how to be humble. Because if you try to follow the world's attitude of being humble, you'll be more prideful than you will be humble but it starts with that relationship. It's not about reaching a destination, it's about an attitude and it starts with your relationship with the Father. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, morning, I want you to think about those questions that we just asked a few moments ago. Are you showing humility in your acts of service Who is it that you need to serve this week? Who do you need to show humility to this week? Who do you need to go to and remove that coat of pride that you wear because you think you're better than that person? Humility starts with taking self out of the equation. If we go back to what Paul said, Paul said humility starts with us putting on the mind of Christ, in the only way you can put on the mind of Christ is by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It starts with a relationship. Because if you have a relationship with the Father and you're growing in your walk with Him, you're going to have an attitude of humility. But if you're prideful, as Proverbs reminded us, and as Psalms reminds us, if you're prideful, and you are at opposition to where the Father is. He doesn't stand next to the prideful, He stands next to the humble. Where in your life do you need to remove that coat of pride and put on humility? In just a few moments, we're going to stand in a time of response. Mr. Dolores is going to play a very familiar hymn, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. That's what true humility looks like. It's when the Father leads us to where we need to go, and it's trusting him in removing the pride that holds us back. So after I pray, she's gonna simply just start playing. If you need to come to the altar this morning and pray, I would encourage you to do that. If you need to come and speak to me, you do that as well. You may just need to stand where you are right now and just pray that the Father would remove any sense of pride you may be holding on to so you can act humbly, so you can show love, so you can show grace, so you can show mercy to others. Father, as we move into this time of response, my prayer is simply this, that you would move in just a mighty way, that, Father, you would remove any barriers of pride that we have as individuals, Father, that we may have as a church Father, that we would not be a church that is prideful, but Father, we would be a church and a body of Christ that is truly humble and puts you first in all things. This morning, we have seen the example in Scripture. Father, may we take it to heart. But I am reminded also, this morning, there may be someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, until they know you as Savior and Lord, They have no concept of what true humility looks like. So, Father, work during this time of invitation, of response. Father, my prayer is simply this, that your will would be done, and we're going to give you the glory in all things. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Let's all stand.